4: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our preview edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Browns and the Bills in Detroit on Sunday at one o'clock. We are recording this at about seven o'clock on Thursday night. So the game was moved not too long ago from Buffalo with that snowstorm that's about to slam the Buffalo area. They decided to move the game to Ford Field. In Detroit, And that's what we're going to talk about off the top here with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Now, we've got Matt Perino from Syracuse.com. He covers the Bills. He's going to preview the Bills with us, just so you know, that re- that was recorded on Wednesday. So we don't talk about the move of the game, but he gives a lot of good info about the Bills. Prop bets after that. Lance Ryson gives us his scouting report, and then we all make our game picks at the end. So let's get to it. Uh, Mary Kay, this sort of felt inevitable, right? I mean, when this started to kind of get out there yesterday and you were looking at these forecasts and you just, I don't know, it just felt like this was ultimately going to be the end game here, that this game was going to get moved. Detroit always seemed likely, but I know there were some other options out there, but were you surprised at all that this decision was made?
3: No, not really, because once the governor of New York declared a state of emergency in New York, Once they started shutting down I-90 at 4 p.m. today, it just was all pointing towards this. Now, the NFL was being very hush-hush about it. The Browns were. The Bills were. Uh, You could barely get any information out about this. uh, But it started to trend this way today where you really felt that this was probably going to end up heading this way. So not surprised. I think it's the right thing to do. You cannot wait until Saturday and, and realize that another 18 inches of snow gets dumped in the area. And how are they going to get there and how are fans going to get there? You know, just in the interest of safety for everyone involved, it was the right thing to do.
4: Yeah, Ashley, I think the important point here is there's a ch- there, there was a chance that by Sunday that field was going to be cleared. And playable, but it was just everything else around it. It was like Mary Kay said, people getting to the game, the Browns getting to the game, uh, the broadcast getting to the game. It's, you know, using those resources that maybe could otherwise be fixing power lines or clearing roads, kind of having to commit a lot of those all of a sudden to this football game. You know, there might be a chance that we see some some shots on Sunday on Twitter of people looking for retweets and likes saying, Oh, you could have played on this field, but I right. mean this really was bigger than just like the field conditions of what it might look like Sunday afternoon.
2: It was, and I mean I I think in these conditions, like you you do kind of have to be better safe than sorry and kind of do it out of an abundance of caution, which is the phrase I think that's get, that gets thrown around. But even like, Dan, you brought up all those excellent points, even like the Bills getting into their facility and being able to practice over the next couple of days, like, who knows? And, and I do think, you know, we were talking today, it's like, you have to make a decision like this sooner rather than later so that everyone you know the logistics people can get moving the bills can get to detroit early if they need to do that like whatever you you do kind of have to know what's going on and, and we did experience this last year you know a little bit with that with that covid game against the raiders that was supposed to be played on saturday and it was a lot of waiting and waiting and eventually you know they just have to make a decision and you know in that game ultimately decided to go with playing it two days later on monday night in this game it's moving the location. So yeah, I mean, I think resources and, and everything else, you don't have to depend on all of that stuff now. And it sucks for the bills that they lose a home game in theory, but
4: it's, it's just what happens. It's par for the course. I think when you you're playing football in Buffalo. Yeah. Mary Kay is there to the Browns gain any edge here? Because I, you know, I think in a lot of people's minds, the edge would have been, you know, bad weather kind of randomizes things. And Uh, you know, maybe you can go in there and steal one when you just don't know what's going to happen. And it might just take one crazy play to win the game. Now you're in Detroit. The turf is going to be dry. There's no wind you're indoors, but there's also no Buffalo bills crowd. You know, that's one of the, that's probably one of the best home environments in the NFL, if not the best home environment in the NFL. So you don't have to deal with that. If you're the Browns, in fact, depending on how they're going to distribute tickets here, it might feel a little bit like a Browns home game. Is there any edge gained here by the Browns, even though some of the like football stuff maybe favors the Bills? Uh, yeah,
3: I do think there is a little bit of an edge gained by the by the Browns. Uh, the Bills obviously lose so much of their home field advantage. I mean, now with the weather in Buffalo, how many uh, Buffalo fans are actually going to be able to make that trek to Detroit? Um, you know, it's a, it's a four and a half hour, four and hours and 37 minute drive in good weather. I mean, right? It, this is, you know, this could be a dangerous journey for a lot of Buffalo fans. Uh, the Browns, on the other hand, have about a, a two hour, maybe a 40 minute drive up there. That's what it would be from First Energy Stadium up to Ford Field. Uh, so, you know, I think it takes away some of, of the home field advantage from that standpoint, you know, the bills have to travel instead of having an opportunity to, you know, just, to just stay home. They know that they have to play another game in four days right there in Ford field. And they're going to have to leave right after the game, go home, come back on Wednesday, play four days from now, from then. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, and then uh, just from a, um, from a football standpoint, I do think that Miles and Jadavian are, are going to be much more effective in this game than they might have been in, in Buffalo in a weather game. So, you know, for, for a number of reasons, uh, including, and this is something that's not talked about all that often, but, you know, in very super cold weather, Miles, Miles does start to struggle a little bit later in games with what's his asthma. Uh, you know, not, not a lot of people really know that much about that, but you know, that's the truth about miles. He, you know, he gets breathing treatments and he has to go through a lot to be able to get from the beginning of a game to the end of the game. And in that, in those cold, cold temperatures, uh, he struggles a little bit. So, uh, I think that could be another advantage for him. I think JOK coming back and, and being fast, anybody that's fast, uh, I think will be faster in this game than they would have been. And, um, so, you know, I, I don't think it just naturally, completely 100% favors the Bills. Although I did do, uh, you know, I did look up Josh versus Jacoby in domes. And Josh is 4-0 and in domes, 10 interceptions. I mean, 10 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, uh, and a great rating of like 118 or something like that. Uh, yeah, that is that's it, 118.1. And then Jacoby Brissett is two and two in a dome with a sixty, just over sixty percent completion percentage, no touchdowns, no interceptions, a seventy one point four rating. Now, of course, that those are with different football team. You know, that's with a different football team for Jacoby, and um, you know, and whatnot. But uh, Josh seems to fare pretty well in this kind of setting. The only thing that I wonder about with him is the elbow. He has to favor it. He has to be a little bit careful. And, um, you know, I, he's probably going to have to use his legs more than he normally would.
4: Yeah, I don't. maybe, maybe I'm grasping at straws here a little bit, Ashley, but, you know, the Miles Jadavian point is, is a good one. They, they aren't going to be slipping around. They're going to have good footing. Nick Chubb's a great athlete. Um, you know, the DBs aren't going to slip sometimes in slippery conditions. It's actually better for the, the passing game because they know where they're going and the DBs don't. Uh, so those guys aren't going to be slipping all over the place. So. It's not all just, well, the Bills are going to be really fast and they're just going to run by the Browns. There are there are some edges to be found on the football field for, uh, for this team.
2: There are, and I mean, I just think that we're going to get there on Sunday and it's going to look like a home game for the Browns because it's just so much closer. <laughs> and uh, Cleveland fans don't have to, you know, obviously breathe the same weather that – a lot of Buffalo fans in Western New York would have to uh, in order to get there. Of course, there are Bills and Browns fans, I think, just about everywhere. But I, I do think the Browns even have, like, a kind of edge there, too. But I think for me, um, and when we get to our picks, like, I, I will spoil mine. I do pick the Bills. I think, like, a big part of the weather for me is just that, it, it like you said, Dan, it kind of becomes maybe more of it. If there's bad weather, it almost becomes more of this, like, Randomizing equalizer, lots of Z's in that sentence, but it it does like kind of give like a worse team in theory of you know some kind of edge, and I think maybe the Browns in some ways it would obviously work against you, work against both teams, but it might make the playing field a little more even. But I still think like despite these two losses for Buffalo, like they are just to me a better team right now. So. When you take the weather out of it, and yes, it's now on a neutral site, but you're playing in a dome. Um, I, I still think like that you'll see the fact out there on Sunday that Buffalo is the better team between these two teams.
4: Mary Kay, you touched on this a little bit. Is there anything to the fact that the Bills have to go from hey, they were going to get to sleep in their own beds, or I don't know, maybe they, they do a team hotel there on Saturday night sometimes. Um, but but the Bills were going to get to be home, right? They were going to get to go through a normal home week and then here at the very end of end of the week they got to flip it now they got to think about going on a plane they got to think about packing they I mean football players are so regimented and it's kind of like okay tell us where to be and when to be there they'll get through it but there there is kind of a different mentality I think when when you have to travel as opposed to when you thought you were going to be at home
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean there could be something to be said for that, but I think they're probably so upset with themselves for the way they lost that Vikings game and for having dropped two straight right now that, you know, I think they're going to be able to get their game faces on pretty easily. And now they're not going to have those weather conditions to have to fight through. I mean, no matter what, I mean, it's tough to play in those frigid, frigid temperatures. So I think once you get in the cozy confines of Ford Field, you know, some of that, you know, having to travel a little bit might dissipate. I, I don't think that's going to be too much of a factor for them.
4: Okay. I'm going to spring a question on you. And I just thought of it. So I'm springing it on myself too.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Roger Goodell calls you up. <laughs> hey, we got to move this game. You can move it anywhere you want. Where are you putting it?
3: Oh, wow. You're putting us on the spot. I got to <laughs> think about that for a minute. Do you know, can you answer your own question? You haven't oh, thought I, about
4: I, it? I mean, I just, I just thought of, I just thought of it, but. um, Like anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere Oh,
3: you're right.
2: I guess, I guess there
4: would have to be a, a, a playable stadium there. There would have to be an NFL caliber stadium there. Ashley
3: just uh, reminded me of (laughs) what my answer should be. So she's very right. And, uh, and yeah. And thank you for that. I I appreciate it. You're welcome. So what is it? Yeah. Vegas. Vegas. We are going to Vegas to play the Bills. And I'm going to leave early. It's Thursday right now. I'm not going to (laughs) show up tomorrow for any of the interviews or anything. I'm leaving maybe even tonight. Maybe even tonight for Vegas. I'm going to get to Vegas. It's a little different than you might think. It's not because I like to gamble and do all that kind of stuff. I like the food, I like the shows. I mean, Cirque du Soleil shows and, you know, Chris Angel and those kinds of things and (laughs) whatever concerts are going on out there, I'll go see Shania Twain or Garth Brooks or Britney Spears or anybody actually. (laughs) Um, So it's the dining, the shopping and the shows and poolside fun during the day. Yes. Poolside fun during the day. So I'm leaving tonight. I'm going to Vegas. I'll see you guys there.
4: <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say wherever the, the University of Hawaii plays their games, but Vegas yeah. is, sounds pretty intriguing, too.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, no, it's not a tropical destination, but it is also a place that Mary Kay keeps telling me I have to go to. What if we make this <laughs> London game? Woo-hoo!
1: We leave right now. Obviously,
2: it's not <laughs> not very nice, you know, weather-wise right now. But we go, we leave tonight. We get there, you know, on on Friday still, and we go and we see the sights. And we don't have the game till Sunday. And you know, why don't we Monday could be on Zoom because they're coming back from London. We don't have to be back here till Wednesday. We can get a nice long weekend in London.
3: Absolutely, and you're going to Phantom of the Opera yes. with me there. <laughs>
4: I'm I'm starting to get the sense as to why Roger Goodell doesn't call us to ask our opinions.
2: (laughs) They would be very inconvenient for everyone but us. I love the idea.
4: (laughs) Okay. We're going to take a break here. Matt Perino is on the other side from Syracuse.com. Just again, a reminder, this interview was recorded on Wednesday before the game was moved, uh, but still a lot of good Bill stuff in there, but just no mention of the game being played at Ford field and maybe a little tiny bit, a mention of the weather but uh, not too much so that's coming up and then mary kay and ashley will rejoin me after that along with irie harris we'll do our prop bets and we will do our game picks but first of all a break here on the orange or brown talk podcast
1: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment
0: And welcome
4: back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are going to take a closer look at the Bills. We are joined by Matt Perino, who works for our sister site, Syracuse.com, covers the Bills there. Also uh, a member of the Shout podcast. I think I've actually been on the Shout podcast once or twice. Mm -hmm. It's a a great listen if you want to learn more about the Buffalo Bills. Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you today?
5: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, thanks for joining us today, Matt. And of course, uh, the number one thing that we want to know, and I know that Browns fans want to know about is Josh Allen. How is Josh doing? How is the elbow? And I've noticed that he's thrown six interceptions in his last three games, two in each game. So what's going on with Josh?
5: Yeah, it's a great place to start. Um, We actually just talked to him a few hours ago, and I think the first thing is just the monitoring um, of this elbow injury. It's something that he admitted that it's going to be something that he's going to deal with probably for the next few weeks. He's trying to be smart in practice, so what they're doing is – They'll go through reps, and he'll kind of be the quarterback until he actually has to throw it, apparently, and then Case Keenum will come in and throw it for him so he doesn't put any undue stress or pressure on that arm. And it's actually the reason why, like, uh, on Sunday – he didn't come out for those early warmups. We always see him out there at 11:30 warming up and it would kind of added to the intrigue and he didn't come out and he said it was just they didn't want to put any extra throws out there. He knew how much he needed to do to get ready to play. And so it's just going to be about managing over the next few weeks. And in terms of the turnovers, it's a lot of people are talking about re- regression over the last couple of weeks and I just think it's more about him feeling like he has to do everything for them to win. And so Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, he's talked a lot this week about playing smart, not conservative football. And there's it that really strange balance there with knowing you have Josh Allen, knowing what he can do in the pass in the run game, and then trying to kind of bring him back to earth every once in a while and say, hey, you don't have to be super mad every moment. And in big hype game situations like in overtime. Uh, this past weekend, sometimes it's hard to not trust that laser, uh, uh, that cannon of an arm that he has, but he's got to do it. And he had a check down to Devin Singletary uh, available to him on second down. He chose to you know, push the ball down the field to try to get to Gabe Davis and Patrick Peterson made him pay.
4: When you talk about that, I almost hear echoes of what people would say about Patrick Mahomes last year when he was <laughs> he had some early struggles when everyone was kind of playing, uh, you know, those safeties deep against him. Is Josh going through a little bit of that too? Kind of what Mahomes had to, to adjust to last year and into this year.
5: Yeah, and I, I definitely think that they've dealt with ebbs and flows about you know whether it be the, the the too high look or even sometime this year like his some of his troubles have come against pressure, especially in the interior of the offensive line. Maybe not holding up early on. They brought over Roger Saffold from Tennessee and historically a really good run blocker. He's still pretty good in that area, but from a pass blocking perspective. It's left a lot to be desired at both guard spots so far this season. So that's something he's been dealing with. But I thought the protection actually on Sunday was really good. I think they're missing some of that like reliable outlet uh, receivers. You know what Cole Beasley did for them a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, He had kind of – been phased out of the offense last year, and obviously came back in Tampa Bay, wasn't the same player. And I think they're searching for that. They signed Jamison Crowder in the offseason to pair him with Isaiah McKenzie, who's more of that downfield speed threat out of the slot. And Jamison Crowder suffered potentially a a season-ending injury earlier in the year. So they traded for Naheem Hines. He's trying to get up to speed on the offense. And I know you probably think running back, right? Well, they might want to use him more out of the slot as he gets more comfortable because he can win – at at the line of scrimmage in his routes. I'll be very interested to see if maybe as early as this week, if Hines isn't more involved in the passing game.
3: So interesting. I always feel like uh, great quarterbacks are really almost only as great as some of their receivers are. So I kind of think that probably has a lot to do with what's going on with Josh right now.
4: So Browns fans have seen this phenomenon this year, where teams who are very pass-heavy, they're they're built around – passing the football with good quarterbacks. You know, the Dolphins just did it to them. Uh, the Chargers did it to them earlier this year. They actually came out and they ran right at the Browns because this run defense has been so shaky. Mm-hmm. Is that something you could see Buffalo doing? Is, is that something they would be willing to do to, to sort of go out of character? I know Ken Dorsey has run the ball a little more than, than Brian Dable used to, but would they go out of character if they see that weakness in the Browns?
5: I mean, I think they might try. Um, It's funny with this Bills team. It's like they had something really going against Minnesota. And going into that game, we talked a lot about that same thing. They struggled against the run. They had those two really good pass rushers on the outside. And teams have had success, I think, at about 112 yards a game against the Vikings. And in the first half... It looked like that plan was working. Devin Singletary, he was averaging over five or six yards a carry. They had, even just with their backs, I think that they had run for 72 yards. And that's a a big half for the Bills' stable of running backs. Um, And then in the second half, they went away from it. Ken Dorsey talked about they wanted their screen game where they were having some success, rightfully so. I mean, a couple plays to Isaiah McKenzie, Stephon Diggs, they worked. But they wanted that to serve as their running game. And then as they got closer down there, it's almost like you know, sometimes they get a little bit too in their own minds with the creativity piece of this thing, I feel like, from my perspective. And sometimes it's just easier to get two yards by running it right up the middle. And I think Devin Singletary can be that guy. Now, he fumbled in that game. And if you go back over the course of Devin Singletary's career, when he's kind of run into problems, it's been with ball security. And when that happens, I almost wonder, even if it's subconsciously, Sean McDermott, Ken Dorsey now in that offensive coordinator role, do they just kind of go away from trusting him in really big moments in the game? So that could be a part of it too. But if you're talking about like a huge workload, 20 to 30 carries for the stable of backs, I don't ever see that happening unless you literally can't run. The Bills' best running back this season still has been Josh Allen.
3: Our old friend, Jordan Poyer. How mm. is Jordan doing? And I think there's some stat out there about – You know, the Bills are, you know, their one loss record is so much better when Jordan plays than when he doesn't. And he hasn't played for a while. I think he was limited today. So what's going on with Jordan?
5: Yeah, well, they're 0-2 this season. And I think he's only missed one other start in his entire Bills career. He's just been this... This beacon of reliability and health over the course of his career. He plays dinged up. He returned to practice today in a limited uh, capacity, was wearing an absolutely huge arm brace. I mean, people were joking about Josh Allen being the winter soldier with the right elbow while I feel like Jordan Poyer probably fits the bill better. This thing is absolutely massive. And he had had suffered the elbow injury back in training camp, missed an extended period, I think about three weeks before he got back to practice. And when he did, he wore the brace for weeks and then he took it off. And I think the idea is that he took it off maybe a little bit too early and that's why he re-injured the elbow. I think he's trending in a good direction, but I'm I'm hesitant to say that he's on track to play just because he had missed a lot of time with this before, and it's something that the Bills are super – they slow play all serious injuries. They want guys to be as 100% as they could be, and they've gotten some some spotty contributions. I thought Cam Lewis was better this past week. I know everybody saw the Justin Jefferson play on 4th and, 20, uh, 4th and 22, but he had a pretty solid game the rest of the way and against this Cleveland Browns team, I think it's about like, you know, the run game, tackling, so and so forth. So you want Jordan Poyer in this game. You've seen over the last couple of weeks teams kind of take advantage, especially with the Dalvin Cook 81-yard run on Sunday. So they want to get him back, but they're not going to push it. I mean, Tredavious White, he's been able to return, I think for almost a month now from that uh ACL injury. It's almost, Thanksgiving will be the 1-year anniversary of it and they still haven't brought him back. So they're not going to bring guys back until they're totally ready.
4: So, how does this offensive line match up with uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on the edges?
5: Well, I will say from a pass protection standpoint, the strength of this offense is their tackles. Um, specifically Deion Dawkins, who's a pro bowler, uh, I think is one of the more underrated guys in the league. So when miles Garrett, isn't that right defensive end spot, and I don't know how much he's playing there this season, that's going to be a marquee matchup in my book. And it's one that it's going to be a challenge for Dawkins. There's, there's games where he goes in and he's faced the likes of TJ Watt and, uh, Von Miller in the past and, and really had really good games. Uh, and then there's, there's weeks where, you know, he struggles and he's been really solid. I think he's been the best offensive lineman uh, this season for the bills on the other side. They have a second year player in Spencer Brown who had off season, uh, a back procedure and, Missed almost all of training camp, and it's been really up and down for him. He's missed a couple weeks with a high ankle. He returned last week. I thought he was solid. But in pass protection, one-on-one against Miles Garrett is not where you want to live uh, if you're the Bills with Spencer Brown. So they've been a little bit vulnerable uh, uh, up the front uh, or up the middle. I'd be interested to see if they can run some stunts and get Miles Garrett on the inside, how the Bills plan to deal with that. But offensive line, I think that if you want to look at position group by position group on this Bills roster, offensive line is where I think you could poke the most holes. And for the Browns, with their ability to rust a passer, that could be a, a place where this game is, is potentially won on Sunday.
3: Conversely, going to the other side of the ball in terms of edge rushing, it uh, looks like Von Miller is off to a really nice start. And um, so I'm just wondering about that and the impact that it's had on the fact that the Bills are leading the NFL with 13 interceptions and all the takeaways that this defense is getting?
5: It's funny that the Bills are 6-3 and three because I think that what they prioritize in the offseason uh, after that Kansas City game and, and really supercharging their pass rush and having to impact the rest of their defense, we've seen it play out. The problem is they've been really banged up. At one point in that Miami Dolphins loss earlier this season, they had 11 starters out of the game. Uh, and that is just a lot to deal with for any team. I don't care how good you are. And over the course uh, of the last month where they've had these other two losses, they've been without Matt Milano for one of the games, Hoyer for both. They've been kind of a little bit banged up here and there on their on their defensive line. Even Tremaine Edmonds, who played last week, missed the second half with a groin injury that he suffered the week before. That, that's been the storyline of the season for the Bills is health. But when you're talking about Von Miller, the pressure rate, the sack production, it has all been what the Bills have paid him for. And it's impacted things on the back end. I mean, they're starting a rookie cornerback, Kyir Elam, uh, when he's been healthy. And then this Christian Benford, a six round rookie this year, he's coming and played huge snaps. Had an interception, I thought played a really good game uh, this past week. So the, uh, the impact of Von Miller on this back seven. It's been apparent, and it's and it's also really helped some of these younger players. Greg Rousseau has had a really solid second season. AJ Epinesa in his third year at that other defensive end spot, I thought he had a really really good game. He didn't finish with all the uh, the big numbers this past week, but had a couple of pass breakups at the line of scrimmage, and also he's just he's around the quarterback more. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the attention that opposing offenses have to pay to Von Miller um, defensively in the middle of their defensive line. The Bills have four or five guys that they can kind of send out there in that typical Sean McDermott rotation, and they're getting production. Uh, Ed Oliver, I thought, had his best game. He, he dealt with some injury earlier in the season. He was really good against the Vikings this past one. You wouldn't know it, though, because they gave up 30 points, 23 if you don't want to count the fumble uh, for a touchdown. Uh, but they're, they're playing at a high level on defense despite some of the injuries.
4: So I want to ask you one bigger picture question, uh, and, then, and then I want to get a pick from you here kind of early in the week. We did a 2018 redraft on the podcast. Uh, It went up on Wednesday morning. And of course that was the year that the Browns took Baker Mayfield, number one, and not Josh Allen. And I'm, I'm curious, what is it that really allowed Josh Allen to develop in Buffalo and become the player that he's become? Because obviously those rookie year stats was a little rough. The completion percentage Mm -hmm. wasn't real high, but there, there was certainly, you saw the promise. What what do you think allowed him to develop into the player he is now?
5: I think it was kind of like, It was a three prong deal. Like, I think first and foremost, you have a front office that's done everything they can without any ego to set him up for success on the field. So whether it be with the coaches that they've hired, that they've put around him, the pivot from the style of receiver that they thought he was going to win with as a, as a rookie, the Calvin Benjamins, the Andre Roberts, the big, slower catch point guys pivoting off that going smaller, speedier separators, the John Browns, the Cole Beasley's obviously eventually Stefan Diggs, you know, a lot of front offices. I feel like in this league, they get an idea and they bring a guy in and they don't want to admit when they when they have it wrong or they went in the wrong direction. The Bills have have never been shy about admitting that and then changing direction. The second part of that is a two-prong coaching effect. Number one, Brian Dable, the re- relationship that he had with Josh, his ability to develop him, and then Sean McDermott's willingness to have a hands-off approach in that. I'm going to help mold Josh as the leader of the team, but I'm going to let Brian be the CEO of the offense and, and really build this thing out. And then the third part of it is like, you got to have a player that's willing to put in the work in the offseason. Like, it's not time to go to Cabo when you get eliminated from the playoffs or your season ends. It's time to go to work. And every offseason, Josh Allen went to California. He worked tirelessly with Jordan Palmer on not only, like, how to be a better quarterback mentally, but physically. Like, they're, they're bringing in, like um, – uh, a specialist, they're digital mapping on his body, and he's doing throws, and they're figuring out. All right, your hips too far out. He's talking to Aaron Rodgers. They're talking to Tony Romo. How can he become a better player mechanically, fundamentally? And I think it takes a that unique personality, the the guy that's willing to put in that kind of extra work, and it's something that I, I to put it in a more Cleveland. Perspective. There's something I saw from from Baker Mayfield. I think it was like in 2020 or 2019 when he was asked about doing like go, getting a quarterback specialist in the offseason, If that's something he'd ever, you know, entertain, he's like, "No, I got my own thing that I think is working for me." It's like, well, sometimes I think you have to go and do something else when things aren't working for you, and have that kind of foresight. And Josh has always wanted to add as much to the table as possible exhaust every resource to become good and so i think it was all of those things converging to make the player that became what it is and i think it's a dangerous thing too because there's so many teams around the league that now want to emulate what the bills did but you need all of those pieces to kind of fit in harmony and it's really hard to create it
3: yeah that that's awesome to hear i i've loved uh Josh Allen's game since way back at the senior bowl. So it's nice to hear that he's, you know, working that hard and doing all those things. It's very cool. Um, And as, as Dan mentioned, if you're willing, uh, we would love to get, get your pick on this game and just maybe a, a sentence or two on, on why you feel that way.
5: Yeah. So I, on Tuesdays, I do pregame for the CBS affiliate out here. And so on Tuesdays, the producer asked me for my pick and I always keep it throughout the week. Cause I don't want to do all the changes for my stories and everything else. Um, I put it in for 45, 24 bills on Tuesday, uh, before really knowing the, the, the weather situation here. So I am going to kind of change things up here. I'm going to change it a little bit. I am going to go Bills 27. I'm going to go Browns 17. And the reason I think that that's going to be the final score and, and why I think the Bills are going to win by 10 points is I think this is a really aggravated offense, right? They, they, they've, come out, they've they come out, they've scored points in recent weeks, but they're still having to answer all these questions about really bad decisions. I think Josh Allen's going to take care of the football in this game. Uh, I think they're going to, they've game planned really well when they faced one really good, Pass rusher, Aaron Donald in week one, Jeffrey Simmons a couple weeks with, uh, a couple weeks later. And I think they'll, they'll have a game plan for Miles Garrett. Whether or not that works, we will see. But I think the Bills defensively, uh, they're going to pose a lot of problems for this Browns team. But then again, you know, if they can come in here and run the ball and it's a snowy game, uh, throw everything out of the book, uh, everything out because <laughs> who knows what's going to happen.
4: See, I make like four picks a week, and somehow I managed to get them all wrong. So I, I think you're, I, I think you're doing it right, uh, Matt. Why don't there you, you tell everybody where where uh, they can find your work?
5: Uh, yeah, over at Syracuse.com, uh, we'll have all uh, the coverage all week long uh, there, and then obviously on the Shout Football podcast, we're live every Wednesday night. So seven thirty tonight, uh, we will go into everything from a Bills perspective. You just search uh, Bills. Uh, Matt Perino is probably the best way to find it. Uh, bring it to our channel and yeah, we'll have another show Friday and then live after every game.
4: All right. Awesome, Matt. We appreciate you taking the time.
5: Anytime. Thanks guys. Thanks a lot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
4: And once again, our thanks to Matt Perino from our sister site at Syracuse.com for previewing the bills with us. Yes, that's right, Irene. We have a Syracuse.com website
0: i i knew that i just <laughs> S- sensational keep keep it going keep it going <laughs> please all right let's get to uh prop pets
4: and game picks uh just so everyone knows kind of the timing of this it's about six thirty on thursday so the timing was i guess good and bad it's good that we know the game has been moved it's bad that we're all kind of scrambling not long after the game has been moved. Uh, but let's get to it. Let's do some prop bets for this game. Ashley, why don't you go first on this one? Yeah, so I once again looked at the
2: DraftKings weekly special for this game, and it was interesting. And the main conversation I I want to have around this, and I, I do think I would actually take it given the Browns issues. They have Stephon Diggs 100-plus receiving yards and Josh Allen 75-plus rushing yards. And I looked at that and I'm like, surely this has happened in at least, I don't know, like four games for Buffalo. But it's only happened once, and it happened last week um, when pulling up their numbers here. Stephon Diggs had 128 receiving yards in the loss to the Vikings, which was, of course, an overtime game. Uh, And Josh Allen had 84 rushing yards, but that's the only time it's happened. Josh Allen has only ran for above 75 yards twice, and both of those were in the last two weeks. But the reason this would be enticing for me is just the fact that the Browns' run defense has really struggled. They don't really have to deal with the weather anymore, which, again, it might make Josh Allen's rushing numbers go down. Um, but I thought it was it was interesting to me more than anything that it's only happened once this season, just from watching the Bills from afar all year.
4: OK, Mary Kay, I've got a potentially crazy question for you. What scares you more when it comes to what could hurt the Browns, Josh Allen's arm or Josh Allen's legs?
3: I think right now Josh Allen's legs because his he's got a bad wing right now. He has an injured ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow and some nerve damage in there. And he's really not himself. He's thrown six interceptions in the last three games. Now, those were not all because of the elbow. He's just gotten like, you know, a little erratic and doesn't necessarily have uh, all the outlet passes and the guys catching the ball for him that he needs to have. So right now I'm going to say legs because he's going to be on the fast track uh, in Ford field. And he'll have an opportunity to make those off-schedule plays. And because his elbow is what it is right now, I'm going to go with his legs.
4: Irie, I'll ask you the same question. What scares you more in regards to the Browns, the, the Josh Allen arm or the Josh Allen legs?
0: At this point, anything scares me. But regarding answering your question, I would, I would have to agree with them saying the legs. Because it's one thing for Armin, We already know that he has such, such a rocket arm that can sling anything and anywhere. And it's quite scary when speaking about regarding this Browns defense and all that we've seen this season. But with this arm being questionable to be fully 100%, the fact that he can still produce on the ground. I mean, who knows if we'll, if we'll get another highlight of him hardling over a couple guys at once. So I definitely have to mention legs for this.
4: Yeah, and you know one of the things too that, that's interesting is certainly Josh Allen is helped by this move off of the slick turf in, in Buffalo to a, a dry, fast turf in Detroit. But you know Miles Garrett is kind of helped by this too. You know, bending mm-hmm. that edge is going to be—it's not going to be real slippery. I don't know what that turf is like in, in Buffalo. If their turf gets slippery when it's cold and snowy, but it doesn't matter anymore because the game's not in Buffalo. So Browns might actually get helped a little bit by that too. But. I think I agree. I think Josh Allen's legs scare me more just because you kind of know he's going to hurt you with his arm. But the the plays that really kill you are the ones where he decides to tuck it and run and he jukes and he runs like a linebacker. And, I mean, there were some runs against Minnesota that, were, I mean, he looked he looked like a running back uh, with, with the way he kind of picked his way through the line and, and juked guys. It was pretty incredible. Go ahead, Mary Kay.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to also mention, I, I didn't make the point before that. Uh, The Browns are struggling so much in run defense right now uh, that that's another major reason why I think Josh can hurt them more with his legs. Uh, In Miami, we saw guys, and and Browns players talked about this, they weren't just running around Browns players, they were running through them. They were running right over them, and we've seen Josh Allen do that. We've seen Josh run right through guys uh, like he's a, a fullback, like a bruising fullback, And we've also seen him hurdle guys or do whatever else it takes. And that kind of guy, I think, can be a real handful for this Browns run defense.
4: Okay, so this is plus 400. Stefan Diggs, 100-plus receiving yards. Josh Allen, 75-plus rushing yards. I love these weekly specials. Uh, Like I said, you, you probably hear me do that DraftKings read during some of these ad breaks. And I mentioned the weekly specials. I don't love this one, though. I still just because of what Ashley said that it's only happened once. I think I'd rather err on the side of of it not happening. So I think I'm going to say it doesn't happen. Uh, any anybody taking this one? Anybody think we've got seventy five plus rushing yards and a hundred plus receiving yards for Stefan Diggs? Seventy five plus rushing yards for Josh
3: Allen? You taking it, Ashley?
2: No, you know I still just I'm I'm thrown by the fact that it has only happened once, and then I do just like wonder. The way that recent, you know, opponents have beaten the Browns is just by really going all in on the ground in that run game and forcing the Browns to try to stop it. Um, so, I do think, you know, going up against Digs, especially, we, we've kind of seen this secondary go into these matchups with guys we think are going to be huge problems. Last week, as an example, with. Uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and they don't let them become game wreckers necessarily. So I I do not really, I'm not really sure that I would take this either, basically for those reasons. But again, it's interesting that it's only happened once because I never would have guessed that if you just told me those numbers and I was going to have to look it up.
4: Mary Kay, are you taking this?
3: You know, I think I am going to take it. I think I am going to take it. I think uh, inside, indoors, perfect weather conditions. Uh, I do think uh, that that it could be conducive to a lot of yards. And I also think that, once again, the Browns defense is, is struggling uh, to contain guys. And also, I looked up uh, Josh's statistics in domes, and he is 4-0. He's completed 77% of his passes for 1,041 yards. He's got 10 touchdowns four interceptions and a one eighteen point one rating. So he excels in a dome. And, uh, and so, you know, I I just think it might kind of bring out the best in some of these guys. I'm going to take it.
4: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, before I get Irie's pick here, I'm going to quote Mike Tomlin, who I heard on a podcast say multiple times, we do not seek comfort so the Browns are going to Detroit, and certainly not seeking comfort after hearing those numbers from Josh Allen in a dome. Irie, do you like this one? Taking it or not?
0: Let's ride. I'm taking it. <laughs> okay, two and two. Then on
4: the uh, the weekly special from DraftKings, which was Stefan Diggs 100 plus receiving yards and Josh Allen 75 plus rushing yards. I'm going to take a quarter play here. So I'm going to take the Browns plus three in the first quarter. And I'm taking it because this team has been so good on script and they come out in like every game and just seem like they know exactly what they want to do and they execute it really well. Cincinnati is one of the few exceptions to that that I can think of where they started slow and finished fast. But in Miami, I mean, it looked like they were going to, it looked like that was going to be a shootout after the Browns' first series. And then they didn't do anything offensively pretty much the rest of the game. And we've seen that before from this team. This could be a game where maybe we get to that end of the first quarter and it's like, oh, maybe we got something going here. And in the end, we don't. But I'm going to take the Browns plus three in the opening quarter of this game. And it's going to be the only time on this podcast that I'm picking the Browns. But I I feel good (laughs) about it. Am I wrong or are the Bills going to come out and be able to – Answer whatever the Browns do in, in that first quarter, Irie. What
0: do you think? I'm actually going to agree with you on this. And regardless, I mean, even within other blocks and sometimes stuff, and we've seen that the Browns' opening script just comes out crystal clear. And sometimes this is probably their best moment of the game, along with the fact that. With their, they've been proven to be a first-half team overall. We've seen how it goes in second half, specifically the third quarter. There's been times in, and during the season where that's really where it all falls down. Right now, they're top 15 with them points per game in the first half, alone with 12.1. That ranks off top 15 in the league. So I'm going to ride on with this and say, yes, yeah, plus three.
4: Mary Kay, why does it look so different for this, this Browns offense from that those scripted plays, that first 15, that opening quarter, and then the rest. And and again, this wasn't just Miami. We've seen this in other games too.
3: Well, they're doing a really nice job on game planning during the week. And then obviously it looks like something falls flat after that. I mean, you really have to be able to make uh, those adjustments. You have to be able to make the right reads as the quarterback. Uh, You know, you've got to be able to uh, execute the game plan. So, none of those things really seem to go as well as they do on that opening drive and those scripted plays. And that's something that they have got to get turned around. And maybe it will change when Deshaun Watson's out there because, uh, you know, Deshaun's going to see the field differently. He's going to go through his progressions differently. He will have some called runs. There will be RPOs. There there will be a lot of things that happen. Uh, He'll probably audible. Maybe he'll audible more. They'll probably give him a little bit more leeway in the game plan. Uh, and he'll make some of his own adjustments, but uh, I think these are some of the reasons it hasn't happened yet.
4: So, what do you think of Browns plus three in the first quarter?
3: I'm going to say no. Oh. I'm, I'm going to say no.
4: That's a gut punch. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I, just,
3: I, I don't know. I just I don't know. I have a feeling that um, the the Bills have been through a lot of adversity through the you know in the past couple of weeks. They're coming off a a soul crushing loss to the Vikings. I mean, they're really really upset about how they lost that Vikings game. Josh Allen is mad at himself. He's talking about doing too much. Um, They got their home game ripped away from them. They're playing in Ford field now. Uh, I I think they're going to have, they're going to come out with a resolve. You know, I, I think the Browns are trying to dig deep and convince themselves that they still have plenty to play for, but it's a tough sell even to themselves. Right. I mean, I think it's a tough sell the Bills, on the other hand, they know they have to get their act together. So I think they're gonna cut co- I think they're gonna come out strong.
4: Ashley Browns plus three first
3: quarter.
2: Yeah, this is tough. I think honestly Mary Kay might have swung my <laughs> vote here just because, yeah, I mean, Buffalo is I think I've said, you know, the last few days now that I I really think that a lot of people thought maybe the Browns their best chance in this game would be if it became a trap game for Buffalo. But it's no longer a trap game when you're coming off of two losses and Josh Allen is mad, like what she said after after last week's game, uh, after that Jets lost, he said he played like a, a bad word that I cannot say or we will get an explicit rating on this podcast. And I, I think that's been building up. And I think that they are just a team right now that realistically – has more to play for and I think they know that like in terms of what their record is and what their ultimate goal is so I think there's going to just really be a sense of urgency to write this ship and and the fact that this game has gone from being a home game to them to yes it's a neutral site game but it, let's be real it's not a home game anymore I think that might actually you know end up being a motivating factor for them too so I'm not Going to take it. I think the Browns will fall behind early in this one, and that might be their undoing,
4: as we've seen recently. Irie, what, what prop bet do you like in this game?
0: Alrighty, so the prop bet that I'm going with, and just to make sure that is not changed up at all, I'm going to go with the anytime touchdown score, and I am going to choose Amari Cooper for this. I was kind of on the ends of it, but then when realizing and just looking back, even though it's been proven that there's been no consistency within using Cooper in every single game, there has been a consistency in using him after a game in which they don't use him. and in games this season where he has below six uh, targets. Not only does he produce less than 20 receiving yards for the most part, but also he has zero touchdowns. We can go back to even before Cincinnati when he had 131 rushing yards, the game before that, he only had four targets, uh, you know, before the game versus the charge when he had 76 receiving yards and that touchdown in the first half, which I think helped me with my prop bet during that game. I believe I might be wrong on that. But before that, he had the four to a target nine receiving yard game versus Atlanta. So it was just kind of a bench and just a bounce. And they all, it seems like for some reason, they always trade off with then getting a certain receiver involved that they did not have in the previous game. And for some reason, they involved their, who, you know, their four-time Pro Bowler and best re- wide receiver on the team, and Murray Cooper. And the last game, he only had three targets. He, I mean, he even said in the press earlier today, he laughed, saying, "Hey, I caught them all for 32 rushing yards." But this time, I'm going to go with them using him a bit more. Maybe at times that find a center, maybe going against a backup cornerback with their with the Bills starting cornerback being out. Maybe using him on a flyout, maybe within like a little in route, somewhere to where he can be able to get open and be able to score that touch. Down. They always involve him in the game after they don't. It's the only consistent part within this season regarding him.
4: I redoing this homework here. I'm going to sound like Doug when, when I say this. Doug is not here. He is traveling for Ohio State uh, and had some other pods to record as well. But I'm going to sound like Doug when I say, well, the Browns don't make halftime adjustments, but they will make adjustments when they have five days
0: to, to make those adjustments. Hey, Best, best believe he just heard me say all that. And he's saying something right now at the, at the top, <laughs> top of his lungs. What are you thinking, dude? I mean, you've been here this that- <laughs> long, well, but come on, He's, he's oh, saying something. Amari Cooper plus
4: 160 as an anytime touchdown score. Those are the that's the same as Kareem Hunt. He's plus 162. Yeah. I like this one. I think Amari Cooper. The Bills have a great defense, one of the best defenses in the league. I think Amari Cooper can get a touchdown in this one. Mary Kay and Ashley, what do you two think?
2: I think so. I, I really, I like this one too. And number one, Irie has had a knack for these kind of bets all year in terms oh, of, thank you. That's receiving so bets of, you. Who, of guys who weren't maybe involved the week before. And then all of a sudden they are involved. I do think, you know, too, it was interesting, like to hear from AVP today. And he brought up, you know, just the, the fact that, just because Amari Cooper had three targets in that game does not mean that was all they drew up for him and things didn't work out at Miami, you know, played a part in that, I think. Um, So I I do like this. I think that there's going to be a more concerted effort to get him involved uh, in this game and make some explosive plays. And I think a touchdown is, you know, probably part of that. Is he still leading the team in touchdowns? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like
0: this. You inspire me, thank
3: you. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I I can see a touchdown for for Amari in this game. He did not get the ball enough, and I um, I know that Jacoby, when he doesn't get the ball to Amari enough, he always feels bad about that and comes out the next week and really tries to make a concerted effort to get it to him. Now, leading up to the Miami game, Amari had told him, if if you know if it's not there, go away from me. Don't worry about it. Don't force it. I don't want you back there taking a sack. And maybe he took that to heart too much. But I think they're going to try to do everything they can. What we don't know in this game is, is Jordan Poyer going to be back? I mean, this is a team that leads the NFL with 13 interceptions, right? And if you start flinging it down the field uh, to Amari Cooper, you're going to put yourself at risk of picks. And that's just... This team is, it's a point of emphasis not to turn the ball over. They're 0-6 this season. I keep saying this over and over. They're 0-6 this season in games in which they don't win the turnover battle. So they know the recipes for success. It's not throwing picks. Um, Again, 13 interceptions, that's a lot. Jordan Foyer has four of those, uh, but he hasn't played the last couple of games. He's got an elbow injury the same way that Josh Allen does. So, I think that will determine some of um you know some of what happens with Amari. Tradavius White might even be back, the great cornerback might even be back this game potentially. Um so we'll we'll see how the secondary looks. But um but I still think Amari is due for a touchdown catch this game.
0: There you go, Irie. It's not that hard, Doug. You see? <laughs> Come on.
4: All right. <laughs> Mary Kay, you've got our last one. And this is one straight out of the Mary Kay Cabot sports book.
3: This is uh, me watching David Njoku return to practice today. And, uh, you know, to see him out there working with Jacoby Brissett, catching passes, uh, I felt he was due a prop bet today. So I have to make it up because there wasn't one. Uh, so my prop bet for David Njoku is that he will have 75 yards in this game. Uh, I think it's possible, once again, they're playing indoors and that favors, that'll favor the passing game. And I think David is going to be really motivated. I think Jacoby's going to try to get him the ball. He's the second leading receiver on the team. And uh, I just see some decent things ahead for him in this game.
4: I, so 75, over under 75 yards. Um, let's see. This is a tough one. I, I'm going to go under, I think. And that doesn't mean it's going to be like an unproductive under. I think he is going to get targets. I think he's going to get opportunities. I just don't know if he's going to get to 75 yards. So I think I'll take the under on this one. Without doing any research on David Ndoku and how many 75-yard games he's had this season, I'll do that as we go along.
2: He's only had two. I did the okay. research for you. But he's had four games above 70 yards.
4: So
2: okay. He I hasn't think I'm
4: st- much. I think I'm still going to go. Yeah, I think I'm going to go under here. But I think he will be involved. I think you're right about that, Mary Kay. Ashley, what about you?
2: I'm also going to go under, but not by much is my caveat too. Like I could see him having plus 60 yards in this game, but plus 75 to me might be a bit of an ask right now. The only times he's gone over, he had the 89 yard game in Pittsburgh, which was like the second best game of his career. And then he went for 88 yards against the Chargers and then against the Patriots, 58 yards against the Ravens, 71 yards um, the other time he was above 70 was at Atlanta. He had 73 yards. So I'm still going to say under, but like what Mary Kay's saying, I think he's still going to be involved and there's going to be a concerted effort, but the yardage might be just a smidge too high for me to take this from Mary Kay's sports book.
4: <laughs> now I'm also looking this up. I um, this is on pro football reference. They track how defenses do against tight ends. So Buffalo is one to, three, four, fifth, as far as tight end receptions allowed. However, in yardage, they're kind of more middle, maybe like lower third in the league. So they've allowed a fair number of catches against tight ends, um, but not a lot of yardage. And it looks like, at least according to Pro Football Reference, they have not allowed a tight end touchdown this season. Oh, boy. Uh, Don't quote me on this, but... This pro football reference, so I think I trust him here. What do you think of this one, Irie?
0: I'm not gonna leave Mary Kay out to dry. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the over, but just by a smidge over. Just not by much, but it will hit the over. Uh, I think, and not even so much regarding. The status of his health, or even more so, the targets you get, but just because of the thought after last game, where Jacoby there probably multiple times started the game where he's thinking, "Man, I could probably use David right now instead of me flinging it to you know deep DPJ nine, nine times and whatnot." When of course you have Kuber right down the side too, but so it's gonna be a game within the past game of. And Joku, and probably, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they start off in their opening drive with giving to him and getting him warm off early. They've done it multiple times prior, where either Njoku or Harrison and Brian, and they use those two guys, their tight ends, to kind of get things started. Uh, there was a game versus Pittsburgh when Brian he gained the first 23 yards and 8 yard reception and a 15 yard reception. Uh, similar for David, I believe, or, um, in the game. Uh, but a couple, a couple of times throughout the season and stuff, the game does come to mind exactly. But we've seen them establish the pass game by going to their tight ends before going to Nick Chubb, before going to any other options they have within the pass game. So I am going to go with the over on this. This
4: team loves the tight end screen. We know that They've, we've been watching that since the spring. The, these tight end screens. So yeah, that that might be kind of how they get him going early as well with him finally back, uh, back out there. It's certainly trending that way. Okay. Uh, We're going to do our game picks. Doug did send me his game pick before we do that. Lance Reisland is going to give us his scouting report on the Buffalo Bills. I almost said on the Detroit Lions.
5: They're going (laughs) to
4: Detroit. They're not playing the Lions. He's going to give us his scouting report on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, So like I said, picks on the other side. Here's Lance. Lance, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. We're recording this not long after the move to Detroit was announced, and we were talking before we hit record. This, I guess, what's the difference here? What what changes here for each team moving this game from Buffalo, or it might have been snowy and messy, uh, moving it to uh, Detroit?
1: Well, playing inside or playing in perfect conditions, uh, it benefits the offense, both sides of the ball, but it really benefits the offense, especially a passing offense. You got perfect footing, you got uh, dry hands, uh, you got warm hands, you have no wind, you have perfect lighting. Uh, The entire playbook is open for an offense Uh, when you play in a dome. There's no restrictions. There's no, you don't have to worry about the wind or where you're kicking or what side of the field you're gonna have in the fourth quarter. None of that matters. You have perfect conditions. Uh, in in my experience, the the better team usually wins in perfect conditions. Bad weather uh, levels the playing field, and uh, I thought bad weather was going to be a really good thing for the Browns this week. Bills are really good.
4: Yeah, it, it felt like the Browns' chance was more randomness, and that's of course what playing in snow on slick turf uh, would have done. Instead, they're going to be indoors. There's no wind. There's dry turf. So so all that randomness kind of gets thrown out the window.
1: Absolutely, and you know it's. The offense always has benefit, you know, and, and the Browns got, have some guys that can run especially on defense, so it'll help their footing, it'll help in coverage, it'll help their um, run game, uh, the footing is always big for the receivers, but footing is also very important for offensive linemen, especially in that zone gap scheme, in terms of trying to get your footing and get in those doubles, so it'll help, uh, just it helps, the dome is perfect for quarterbacks, and I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL, or if not, you know, he's in the top three at least, and It's really going to benefit him playing inside.
4: Yeah, we talked about that. I think it was after we were done recording the other night. How you think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL? I I think it's Patrick Mahomes, but I also think it's 1A and 1B. And then Mm -hmm. it's kind of everybody else after that. Tell me about this Buffalo offense. Uh, You know, they're very good. Obviously, it
1: starts with him. So he's their leading rusher, and he's their leading, obviously their leading passer. He's throwing for 2,700 yards this year. Uh, he's got 20, uh, 20 touchdowns. The thing that was intriguing is his, uh, he's been really loose with the football uh, for him. He's t- he got 10 interceptions. He's got six in the last three games. So that's that'll be big for the Browns in terms of turnovers. Um, I love their receivers. Uh, I love G- Gabe Davis. I love Stefan Diggs, obviously. He had uh, a huge week last week. Um, I like their slot, McKenzie. Uh, I think Singletary's very, uh, a very good back. They don't use him as much as they should, I, in my opinion. Um, Josh Allen is kind of their running back. He's kind of their quarterback. Uh, It all runs through him. Uh, Their offensive line is really good. Uh, They're very good at what they do. They're very good at pass protection. Uh, I think the run game struggles a little bit just because they're pass protecting so much. Um, They like to throw the football. um, And when they run it, a lot of their runs come from uh, a broken play where Josh Allen's making a play.
4: So you touched on a couple of these names, but we all know how dynamic Stefan Diggs is. We all saw that catch that, of course, got overshadowed a little later in the game on Sunday. But those other names that you mentioned, Gabe Davis and and some of those other guys, who really stands out among the non-Stefan Diggs group? Well, Gabe Davis is really good. He
1: obviously had a big postseason last year. Uh, I like Isaiah McKenzie. He gives them a a slot guy who can run their jet sweeps. Uh, He's good on uh, option routes in the slot. He gives... um, all those guys, they do a really good job in Buffalo on their scramble drill. So when he breaks the pocket, they're all very good at uh, the scramble drill. And that's where those guys, and that's where Allen makes those guys even better than what they are. And that's, that's what elite quarterbacks do. They make guys who are uh, C pluses, they make them A minuses, B pluses. And that's what, uh, that's what Gabe Davis and McKenzie and Singletary, these guys in, out of the backfield. Uh, Josh Allen is such a creator with the football, especially when plays break down. And his, his ability to improvise and get these
4: guys the ball in space uh, is really special. So defensively, uh, obviously a little bit banged up in the back end. Micah Hyde uh, is his done for the year. Jordan Poyer was has been limited at practice. We don't know if he's going to be back there for this game or not. A former Brown who, who's been really good. But that mm-hmm. pass rush up front. You know, it's funny. The big name in that group, Vaughn Miller, is kind of a a part-time guy, kind of a situational edge rusher. He's still having a great season, but they really do a good job of of generating pressure kind of just across that front. That's, that's something that stood out to me in that Minnesota game too. Well, I'm interested to see because Greg Rousseau, I
1: love him. Uh, I love the guys inside. I love uh, uh, Daquan uh, Jones. He's huge. Ed Oliver's a really good player. He's active. I uh, really like Tim Settles. He's my kind of uh, defensive tackle. He doesn't do much. He's just real heavy in there. Uh, Jordan Phillips is another guy who's just really heavy, takes on double teams. Obviously, Vaughn Miller's got eight sacks. Uh, Rousseau's got, um, I believe he's got five sacks. Uh, they got a bunch of tackles for a loss. Um, I like that uh, Ep- uh, Epinenza, when he comes in, he's another guy that gives him great energy. Uh, my favorite player on their defense, and the Browns got to count for, is their, their safety, DeMar Hamlin. I really like him. Uh, he led him in tackles last week. He's second on their team in tackles. Um, over the course of the year, he's a very violent guy. He fills on the run. He can cover very well. Uh, he's got you know he's got some ability to uh, do both. So uh, their pass rush, like you said, is is as a group. Uh, but one thing I'm interested to see, I want to see if they uh, you know the Dolphins might have opened something up with this uh, this odd front. And I think even though they're a four front team that odd front takes the Browns out of their double teams, both in their zone and in their gap scheme. So I'm interested to see if they give a little bit more odd front this week against the Browns.
4: That's interesting. Explain that a little more.
1: So when the Browns run their gap scheme and and their inside-outside zone, they really do a really good job of double teaming those those defensive tackles, that three technique and the two-eye. And when that center's not covered, they're able to get the double teams they want. So they're going to get a guard center, and they're going to get a tackle guard uh, double team almost on every play in terms of zone and gap. When you cover the center and you cover those guards, now it's one on one. So the play is still, still good, but now you're not getting those double teams. And I think it's just more practice repetitions than it is like not being able to do it. Uh, but you saw that a lot last week. So when you cover that center and you cover those guards, there's no double teams, especially
4: in that outside zone. Interesting. Uh, did, did we miss anything here? But before we get to your pick, was there anything else about the Bills that, that really stood out to you? No, you know, this is a good football team. They're good on special teams.
1: Um, they're, they're, good on all, they're good in all three phases. Uh, but make no mistake, the, the reason they're good is because they have an elite guy throwing the ball. And without him, they're still a good football team, but they're not anywhere near um, what they are with him. So he's the guy um, in any given Sunday. Uh, but I think this will be a tough one if the Browns don't play at a very high level.
4: Okay, so uh, I'll ask you for your pick. I am curious if you have another pick. What what was your snow game pick going to be? Did, did you have that? Uh, my snow game? Yeah, I did.
1: My snow game pick was going to be 17-7 Bills. I okay. thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be a, they were going to get one early, throw the ball early. Um obviously without with perfect weather, I'm going uh I'm going Bills
4: 31-20. Okay, so there you go. There's the uh the edge that uh that being inside, being on a fast surface, it would have been on turf anyway, but being on a fast, dry surface uh, really helps the Bills out, certainly, in this situation. All right, that's Lance Risland. You can read his work at cleveland.com. Lance, where can people find you on Twitter?
1: Just at Lance Reisland, Uh all lowercase. Uh, that's it, just at Lance
4: Rislin. All right, give Lance a follow over on Twitter as well. Lance, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Irie Harris. The time has come to make our picks. So this line, of course, constantly moving. By the time you hear this, maybe it has moved again. Right now, it is the Bills favored by eight and a half points. It was somewhere in the seven and a half point range at one point, I think, this week. Uh, but now after the move it's at eight and a half the total for this game 48 and a half points we want Doug's pick first or just, should we do Doug first here i gotta find it here in my
0: text.
3: now let's wait let's keep, let's right. keep ourselves in suspense
4: you gotta yeah. you gotta wait for Doug's pick this week all right so who wants to go first here i'll just throw it open who wants to, who wants is that nobody's picking the browns right
3: Well, we're not allowed to, Dan.
4: That's right. I just wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure we all remember the rule, that you are not permitted to pick the Cleveland Browns, especially (laughs) because it's no longer in the snow. Um, Was anybody going to pick the Browns in the snow? I'm actually curious about that. I don't know.
3: You had me so freaked out that I wasn't allowed to pick the Browns (laughs) that it has not crossed my mind to be able to pick the Browns in this game. I just have not know. And (laughs) I I I so dumb for picking them to beat the Dolphins last week, you know, when they just got their butts kicked. (sighs) So
2: We need to earn some goodwill back with these picks.
3: Yeah, so you know, we're all going to pick them to lose, and they're going to win. win.
4: But but here's the... So we were talking about this, like, I, I think it was after the Dolphins game we were talking about this. Like, if you pick the Bills to win this game and the Browns win it, I don't think you have to feel bad. You know, this is like process over results. There's no logical process here that leads you yeah. to picking the Browns to win this game that could happen yeah. it's the NFL and the Browns are you know they can be a good football team on any given Sunday but they're just so inconsistent I, you know I don't think anybody can hold it against us if we all pick against the Browns and the Browns end up winning although they certainly will hold it against us if if that's what we do of course <laughs> of course oh
3: sure, okay. sure they will.
4: well well I'll go first then um the, just the way I look at this game for all these reasons, like the bills are an elite team. They have one of the best offenses in football. They have maybe now I know they're a little banged up, but maybe the best defense in football. They're among the best defenses in football. And you know, that Minnesota game, I actually just watched it today. Uh, Again, that condensed game was an hour long, by the way, but that Minnesota game,
2: it's crazy. (laughs) It's an hour long with the overtime.
4: Yeah. I didn't come away from that game, like down on the bills. I I didn't come away from that game feeling like, oh, I don't know about this team. I I actually came away feeling okay about them. I thought, look, it took some crazy catches from Justin Jefferson. It it took some crazy, you know, they had to fumble at the goal line to lose that game. I I didn't come away feeling like the Bills are done. I just came away feeling like the Bills lost a crazy game to another good football team uh, in Mm -hmm. Buffalo. So to me, I I just don't see a path unless Nick Chubb goes wild and Josh Allen is turning the football over, that the Browns win this game. So I'm going to go Bills 30, Browns 17. So that is the under, I guess. That would be the under, and that would be the Bills covering. Irie, don't
0: do it. (laughs) 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 Don't do it. You know what? I'm I'm not going to, but I – I will tell you this. I will guarantee this. Had their performance been better last Sunday uh, versus the Dolphins, I would have been, you know, in the middle regarding th- this game. But I think I still would have resorted to following the uh, the new so sudden rule of not choosing them anyway. So, yeah, for this game, I am going to go with the Bills. Uh, I'm going to go with 29 to 22. Uh, so, yeah, just a little bit right there, under 30, but still within that zoom. And similarly, so when coming off of that Bills game, I actually felt uh, a little, not terrified or scared, but in my mind, I, I see Josh Allen throwing the helmet down, and we see the post, game. I'm thinking, oh my, he... And I'm looking at the schedule and see the Browns have them next week. I said, oh, great. So that's who we get to take all this anger out on. Uh, but now, even with the move and stuff, the Bills have just been on a mission this entire season. I mean, they set the tone in the first game. They beat the defending Super Bowl champions by 21. And Super Bowl, I mean, comparing them even at least to the Browns team right now has been just a catastrophe at the moment. So I believe that the Bills will be able to take advantage for the most part and be able to win 29-22 on Sunday.
4: So Irie takes the over, but he does take the Browns to cover the eight and a half.
0: Ashley, what's your pick?
2: Yeah, so I am also going to take the Bills here. Don't worry, Dan. You
4: don't have to kick me off of this podcast for forever. You know, you know what this is getting set up for It's just me getting killed by you guys on the post game show when I'm fully upset. I'm just gonna get. I'm is, just gonna go on mute, and you guys can just yell at me for an hour.
2: It's the good old fashioned lobby curse, um, <laughs> and I'm gonna go Bills. Let's say 30 to 24. Um, I'm going to do that. I, I honestly, if this game, if everything, you know, around this game being moved or whatever, I, like, I do think it being moved, you can find ways it benefits both teams, right? Like it's certainly on the field. I think it, it, yeah, in theory, better for the Bills offense. But like you said, Dan, I mean, it can also be better for the Browns defense and allow them to show off some of the speed they have. Uh, but I do think Buffalo is going to be angry, is going to be hungry. There's not this illusion of a trap game hanging out there. Um, and if it was in Buffalo and, like, the weather wasn't a factor, I would have probably picked the Bills to win by multiple touchdowns. I mean, when, when we had to guess, I think Doug made us guess last week what the line was on the game after the post game pod, and I thought it was shockingly low for it to, like, only be a score. Um, So I probably would have picked Buffalo by multiple scores, but this has a chance now with it being in Detroit to maybe almost feel like a home game for the Browns. It's much closer than it is to Buffalo. That could be kind of this, you know, X factor thing working in their favor that has nothing to do with uh, on the field. It's just going to be a lot easier for them to get there. There could be more Browns fans there and all of that stuff. So I'm still picking the bills, but by less than I would have, pick
4: them if the weather this week was a non-factor. Mary Kay, you're a Hall of Famer, so you're allowed to pick whoever you want.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I, you had me so rattled. I just I can't <laughs> oh, do it. I, I just can't do it. Um, but I, I really shouldn't even be thinking about doing it anyways because of what happened in Miami. I was sitting there during that Dolphins game thinking, what was I thinking? Like, what was I thinking? Um, and I, I don't want to have that. Feeling again. But I will say this. I do think that the Josh Allen elbow injury is a factor. I think the fact that he's pressing and admitting that he's pressing. When you have your quarterback saying things like, I played like S-H-I-T and I'm pressing and I'm trying to do too much and I'm trying too hard. I think that gets you into a place where, you know, it's like, like, don't you don't have to show everybody how vulnerable you are right now? Just get your act back together, right? Like, just go out there and be tough and hurdle somebody and go win the football game, right? But, um, but he's showing some some chinks in the armor right now. And so that, you know, leads me to believe. I mean, and you have got Miles out there calling his shot. Miles out there, like, hey, you know what? These guys are beatable especially by us. That's a big, bold statement to make. Um, But he, lo and behold, he made it. And I do think that on this faster track, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are are going to be able to make some hay. And they're not only going to play 44 snaps like they did in Miami. They're going to play more than that. They're going to play more snaps than that, and they're going to have more of a chance to impact the game. JOK is coming back Uh, and he should be able to have some kind of an impact on the game as well in terms of, you know, just his range and his agility and getting to the quarterback and those kinds of things. So, you know, I do think there is a world in which the Browns can give Josh Allen a little bit of hell in this game. And he is probably going to have to use his legs a lot to make some of those off schedule plays and to make sure that they get back on the winning track. Um, So I, you know, I'm going to give them that. And also because as you guys know, it's victory lap week for me. Um, People think it's hall of fame week for me. No, it's victory lap week for me is what it really (laughs) is. Um, So yes, I've been patting myself on the back for the fact that I loved Josh Allen coming out in 2018. I thought the Browns should have drafted him. Um, I, I will share this one small nugget. I back then, I didn't have a lot of interaction with with John Dorsey. I did not have a lot of interaction with him, like from a texting standpoint, but I was so all in on Josh Allen that I remember texting John Dorsey the day of the draft. And I said to him in this text, if you guys are going to draft Josh Allen, let me break it. Let me break that because like I've been, uh, you know, once again, just, you know, touting him and, you know, I, I would have loved to have done that. And now of course, As we reported it out later, it really came out that, you know, they really had no intentions of of drafting Josh Allen whatsoever. I mean, they had they only had eyes for Baker Mayfield. But um, so having said that, I might as well give Josh his just dues and pick the Bills to win this game. And I'm going to do that. I've got a score of thirty three to twenty.
4: Yeah, I never thought about that angle, Mary Kay. You almost like can't pick against Josh Allen. No, oh yeah, I really, I really can't. I really can't. you were in quite the pickle there. Uh, yes, coming into this, you know. Look, I, you know, again, I, I said no one was allowed to pick the uh, the Browns. This team is so weird and so wildly inconsistent. <laughs> like, yeah. who knows yeah. what Browns team is going to show up on Sunday? And that's that's the wild card in all of this. They could show up and look like the best defense in football, like they did against Cincinnati or they could look like the defense that for much of the year has been one of the worst in the league. They could be really sharp on offense and Nick Chubb could run wild or they could stall like we talked about. It's just this team is so hard to get a feel for. Doug no surprise here. Doug texts me uh with the game move. His pick is Buffalo 34, Browns 16. So, uh there you go. Here's the bad oh, news wait. for here's the bad news for all you guys though. What? I'm really, I'm really bad picking games this year. You are really bad. <laughs> I'm really bad picking games this year.
3: So, Dan, if the Browns win this game, you know it's going to be your fault, and we are all coming after you. Yeah. Because you would not let any of us pick the Bills, and we were afraid of you. We were yeah. petrified of you. We were. Or we just couldn't. We couldn't break the rules. We're <laughs> compliant. I'm compliant. Browns
2: fans are going to start hassling you to only pick the other team. You're not allowed to pick the Browns anymore.
3: So this is setting up for all of us to be wearing mustaches. Now you guys already really have mustaches, but this is setting up for us all to be. The Groucho Marx glasses. Yes. We're going to get those. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to be on social media somewhere with our pictures and our pics and the Groucho Marx glasses and and the mustache.
4: The the T-shirt company who shall not be named. will. uh, (laughs) That probably has their graphic ready to go. <laughs> they follow
3: me now, so
2: I have to be careful.
4: <laughs> all right. Uh, that'll do it for this edition, our preview edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Thanks, of course, to Matt Perino from Syracuse.com for joining us. Thanks to Lance Horizon for the scouting report. Thanks to Doug for texting the pick, And Ashley, Mary Kay, Irie, I will talk to all of you later.